everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. I got energy. I'm raring to go. I'm here for you. Did I not get as much sleep as I probably needed because I stayed up too late watching the Open Championship? Yes, because I could watch it overnight. Yes. (laughs) But I'm here, ready to go with bells on to deliver three hours of stupendous, tremendous, Mind-blowing sports talk. That's right. The big, bald, and beautiful one. I'm here. Raymond Parch the third, Better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined inside the studio by an individual who is known as extraordinary as a producer, as a wedding planner, and as someone who may have picked the hottest emerging team in Major League Baseball as her franchise just earlier this year, Seattle Mariners diehard fan, head of five names is here as well. She's already giving me a look. She's like, this guy is already singing. It's only 6.07. Oh, God, give me the strength today. We got a great show lined up for you. Going to have be somebody and be making their RP3 and company debut at 8:30 today. Jonathan Van Topel, Vizen NBA senior analyst, will be joining us, giving us some insight on summer league action, off season, and some moves being made or still to be made at eight o'clock our old friend Les East from CrescentCitySports.com Saints training camp right around the bend not to mention Pelican Summer League action we'll get caught up with Les all about that and at 7 30 the great one the man we refer to as the great Gazzolo the McNeese beat reporter columnist from the Lake Charles American Press, Jim Gazzolo will join us. Southland Conference has unveiled a revamped schedule for this coming year because guess what? In a span of just a few months, they convinced one team to not leave for another conference at the last minute and then took back another team that had already left and been gone for a year. So much so that they went ahead and bring brought them back a year early. Jim's going to break it all down for us, as well as give us a preview of next week's Southland Conference Media Day, which will be held in Lake Charles. So those are our three guests. Jim Gozolo, 7.30, Les East, 8 o'clock, and Jonathan Van Tobel at 8.30. Of course... We're going to touch on a slew of different topics, including the mentioned Open Championship. But we're going to start off with them 
Houston Astros baseball. Give it up to Shohan Otani because that man put himself on a bit of a show. Woo. Man, did he put on a show last night. Six innings, four hits, only gave up the one run, walked two batters, struck out 12 Houston Astros hitters. He joins, how ironic is this? Otani joins Hall of Famer and Astro legend Nolan Ryan, who also pitched a for a considerable amount of his career with the Angels. As the only pitchers in Angels history to strike out 10 or more batters in four consecutive games. Only one other person has ever, once again, struck out 10 or more batters in four consecutive games. The only other person, strikeout king, no-hit king, Nolan Ryan, and now Shohei Otani. He's been on a burner, as people like to say now. Angels take down the Astros 7-1 to one last night. Astros still 57-30. and 30. Christian Javier did not pitch well for the Strauss. But too much, uh, gave a little bit too much of a workload to the old bullpen. But as poor as Javier pitched and as much of a burden that put on the bullpen, credit Otani for delivering. Astros mustered only four hits. Otani threw 105 pitches. Also, the all-star at pitcher and designated hitter for the American League. Also drove in two of his three runs of support with a triple. So not only did he go out there and deliver and keep the competition, the opposition, if you will, off-balanced, frustrated, struggling at the plate, he then said, you know what? Guys, I got this. I'm just going to drive in my own runs. That's all the run support I need. Because that's really all he needed. Look, I've been immensely critical of the Angels front office, their general manager, and Major League Baseball national writers for fawning over Otani. Make no mistake about it. The guy is the real deal. He's special. Won the MVP last year. He's doing ridiculous stuff. Do I think he can sustain being a star pitcher and a star slugger for 10 years? No. Eventually, a decision is going to have to be made on which one he's going to do. That will have to be made. So this is nothing against Otani. But you have someone unique, specially gifted like he is. 
and you have someone specially gifted like Mike Trout, and they have wasted them. So they are great players. They are deserving players. My issue, just so I'm clear once again, is the fact that the national media kind of ignores the fact that the team is hot garbage. Hey, these players are great. They're doing all these phenomenal things. Don't pay attention to the fact that the team is, in fact, a dumpster fire. And I've long said this. I may have never said this on the air. There's some responsibility there from the media, national baseball media, for not holding the Angels more accountable over the years. Because they focused so much on the individual players and they did so for a decade with Trout, and now they're doing it with Otani, that the Angels organization gets all this love, all this publicity, all these positive stories written about them when in fact they are incompetent in their job in what they do. And the reality is, is that they are wasting the prime years of two generational talents. Otani has accomplished something that only Nolan Ryan has done. He is special, just like Mike Trout has been special for more than a decade. The best player in baseball has been Mike Trout. But without question. Sorry, bat-flipping Bryce Harper, it's Mike Trout. Mike Trout's a better overall player. I'm not debating that. My beef is a little bit more accountability needs to be had here by the national media folks for not holding the Angels accountable for how they run their organization. If they spent just a tenth of the effort that they put in on bashing and publicly shaming the Houston Astros for using trash cans, if they just used a tenth of that energy on holding the Angels accountable for running their organization like a dumpster fire, for having illegal narcotics being distributed in their own clubhouse, which led to someone dying, a player. If only they spent that much time doing that, how much better would the Angels be? Just imagine that. How much better could they be? But they've been given a pass for far too long. And what's going to happen here? Astros Angels will face off again this afternoon, or this evening rather, a little bit earlier on the first pitch. It's in the 7 o'clock hour, not the 8 o'clock hour. Not to worry when you get done listening to the game right here on 103.7 The Game or 104 won the game, you can simply then start watching the Open Championship second round action and just not go to sleep at all. Somewhat what I did. But they're going to waste Otani and they're going to waste Trout. Otani's going to have another tremendous season. The type of season they'll write books about. And then they won't even sniff the playoffs.
Look at the difference. They have two generational talents, the Angels do. They're nowhere even close to being in the playoffs. Seattle Mariners have a nice young core. Do they have anybody that's a generational talent? Maybe. Maybe. But not like Trout or Otani. Yet they're one of the hottest teams in baseball. Have positioned themselves to be a playoff team. Angels have not. Also, watch out for the Baltimore Orioles. It's a weird situation in Anaheim. They make poor decisions. They run their organization terribly. But last night, credit. The young fella. 12 strikeouts. Six innings, giving up only four hits, one run. Once again, Otani becomes the only the second pitcher ever to strike out 10 or more batters in four consecutive games, the other one being Hall of Famer and Astro legend, also an Angels legend, Nolan Ryan. It's unbelievable. Game three, the rubber match of that series is going to be tonight. And, of course, you can listen to it right here on the game. First pitch, 707. 7.07 will be first pitch tonight between the Strohs and the Halos, live from Anaheim. Beautiful park, by the way. Been there many years ago. I would assume it's probably about the same as it was in 1998 because ownership does not invest money into it you can listen to the game live right here on the game tonight 707 first pitch angels astros once again this will be the rubber match of this series and then the strohs will turn around and play a three-game set this weekend at oakland and that's how they'll wrap up their pre-all-star break schedule we got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 in the company, will I allow Hannah Five Names to get excited about her Mariners live on the air? Yep, it's happening. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is known for being a well-tempered and thoughtful sports journalist. The incompetence, the absolute abundance of arrogance from Rob Manford makes me want to punch him in his throat. Okay, well, we all have our bad days. I'm not kidding. If he was right here in the studio, I would walk up to him and throw him a punch. Well, let's all hope he took his meds today. Back to hopefully a calm and collected RP3. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you can score a new Apple Watch. You want to win one? We got one to give away. Listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME to 337 283 
337-283-8100. That's game to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets, concert tickets, and more. It's the game's brand new text club. Once again, text the word game to 337-283-8100. That's game to 337-283-8100. It's the game's text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Astros got manhandled by the Otani. The fighting MVPs got the win yesterday, 7-1 to over Houston in game two of their pre-All-Star break series. Game three, the rubber match will be tonight in Anaheim. 7-0-7 first pitch. But let's touch on some other baseball news from last night and yesterday. Toronto Blue Jays, plenty of fanfare about them. Great young core. But we've talked about this. Where Seattle has gone from a team that looked like they may be sellers at the trade deadline, they found themselves. And we'll get more to those Mariners here in a second. The Blue Jays have turned around and they are, in fact, struggling. So much so that the Blue Jays fired manager Charlie Montoya yesterday amid their struggles as the Blue Jays continue falling further and further behind. John Schneider has been promoted from bench coach to interim manager. Blue Jays, by the way, are 46-42 and on the season. That's four games above five hundred, And we're currently in the final wildcard spot in the uh, standings. Yet the skipper got fired. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Woo! We got we we got we got some owners and front office guys that are quick on the trigger this season. Whew. Man. Yeah, not great. So Blue Jays are three and nine in July. That's what we call not great. <laughs> but while the Blue Jays fired their skipper, despite being in playoff contention. There'll be no firing of the skipper up in the Emerald City there in the Pacific Northwest. The Mariners, well, guess what? They won yet again. Seattle 2-1 win last night over the Washington Nationals. They just get the job done. That Rodriguez kid is special. One for four last night. They didn't get a ton of hits, only seven of them, but they were able to plate the runs that they needed to win the ball game. Now, is beating the Nationals something to write home about? No, the Nationals are terrible. But it's the opponent on the schedule, right? Your job is to go out there and beat them, right? Then that's all that matters. All that matters as the Mariners get the 2-1 victory And let's look at the standings, shall we? Because they've been one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. And where do they stand now? Hmm, let's check in, shall we? Let's see what's going on with the Fighting Five Nameses. 
The Baltimore Orioles and the Seattle Mariners each have now won 10 consecutive games. Both started those winning streaks under the 500 threshold. Previously, they had the second and third longest double-digit winning streak droughts in all of Major League Baseball. No two teams had been unable to put together double-digit win streaks, more than the Mariners and the Orioles. The M's last one came in 2002. The Orioles' last one came in 1999. So the fact that these two teams have won 10 in a row is very significant. Let me look at my updated American League standings. The Baltimore Orioles are now 45 and 44. They're above 500. Won their last 10 games in a row. They're only like two games behind the Blue Jays for that final wild card spot in the American League. So credit what's going over, going on over in Candom Yards. But let's check in. Let's scroll down a little bit here. Uh-oh. Winners of 10 straight. The Seattle Mariners are now 47 and 42, a full five games above 500. Only 11 games back of the Houston Astros now. And firmly in contention for the playoffs. Because that's where they're at right now. Because as I check the wild card standings, if you'd like, I can do that. Yeah, right now. Tampa Bay is in first for that, for the AO. Tampa Uh Bay's leading the wild card standings by only a game and a half. That's over a game and a half over the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and now the Mariners. So if playoffs started today, Hannah Five names the Seattle Mariners squad would be in the postseason as a wildcard team. Would you like to know who's two games behind the Mariners for that final wildcard spot? The Baltimore Orioles. We could have every team from the American League East in the playoffs. The floor is yours. The microphone is yours. Your Seattle Mariners, the team that you believed in, based solely on young talent because you didn't want to jump on a bandwagon and you liked young talent because you're a young person yourself and had nothing to do with the fact that you really enjoyed the color teal. And their color scheme on their <laughs> uniform. That wasn't the driving force of your fandom. Not at but all. here you are. Here I am. Here you are, and your team is above 500, winners of 10 straight. Cut that lead of the Astros in the American League West down to nearly single digits, and you're in playoff contention as the calendars turned to July 14th. I mean, one, see us rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 44, for everyone that doesn't know, that's Julio Rodriguez's number. Uh, he's amazing. He's Even in the home run derby. He is. That's right. He, he's he been one of the, the last players added. We still, that field still has not been completed. But he's going to be in the home run yes. derby as well. So the Mariners are going to be represented during the home run derby. Yes, his first season in the big leagues. My man is an all-star. So, one, was very 
I get very scared in double headers. They make me nervous. And we still took down the Nationals yesterday, six to four, without Julio Rodriguez the first game, and then two to one, shortly after with Julio in the game. That's correct. Which is fantastic. The Nationals, by the way, have lost sixty games. That's tied for the yeah. most in the big leagues with the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, but somehow we like to lose to that one. That one game, like to lose to the bad teams. So, hey, it's okay. everyone does it. Yeah, Yankees, Dodgers, Braves. Mets, Astros, they all lose to bad teams. Yeah, I mean, I've already told Foot that I'm like, hey, I'm letting you know, us and the A's are going to become your BFF for the rest of July because they played two series each against the Astros. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I will win these series. Says, all that all, don't, just don't sweep me, I ask. I said, okay, maybe. Foot, Foot's already the preemptive strike by Kevin. Please just don't sweep us. Right, because he's realized that they have seven games against them, not six. So he's like, we're going to take a three or six. I mean, I'll be all right. Uh, yeah, sorry, but uh, it's going to be okay. But, I mean, all I really need is these Red Sox to just fail and the Blue Jays to just fail because they're both tied with me for the wild card spots, and I don't like that. Look, you just get in. Yeah. You just get in. That's, that's all I need. If that's I get all that matters. Postseason, I will be ecstatic for Toronto my team. Toronto is fading. Yeah. Okay. Fading, they, they, fading fast. Them and the Red Sox both are, have gone three and seven in their last ten games. Yeah. So they've had a rough go of it here in the last week and a half. Toronto losing, having to fire their manager. Rather, I'll be interested to see <laughs> what happens there. Boston has gone three and seven in their last 10. They've lost three in a row. So look, and here's the thing that's going to benefit you five names, just as a, as a baseball guy. Okay. I'm um, passing down some wisdom here. The Rays, the Jays, and the Sox are all going to beat up on each other because they play in the same division. Fantastic. Love it. So the likelihood of all three of those teams making the postseason is not very high. One of them's going to have to be on the receiving end of more L's as they beat up on each other, not to mention they all have to play the Yankees. <laughs> who is, you know, the Yankees right now are the best team in baseball. Yeah. So you just keep doing you. And you've gone toe-to-toe, evenly split with the Astros already. So you've proven yeah. that you can beat Houston. If right. you just have an even split for the season, you're going to be right there in playoff contention. Right. Because then you're not going to have to worry about playing the Astros again once the calendar turns to August, right? After it turns to August, the yeah, Mariners done. and Stros are done. Yeah, we have those games left. So play. for the playoff push, you're not going to have to worry about playing one of the best teams in baseball. True. Once again. True, 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 true. So get it, get it. Let's, let's get it. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Hannah's fired up as she should be as her Mariners have now won 10 in a row. Watch out for Baltimore as well. They seemingly have like done that. something <laughs> as well. Uh, look, they've won 10 in a row. That's something to be, that's something to applaud. The last time they won, you know, as you said, in double digits for the, the Orioles was when I was born. It was 1999. Yeah, I was only a year old whenever. Great year, by the way. They did that. RP3 had a lot of fun that year. Um, Some shenanigans. Nope. Um, nope. Mm-mm. So, uh, timeout? Let's, let's go to timeout. Because I feel like I don't want to hear the story. I'm yet. an old man. I'm an old man. Yeah, we do have to get a take. We went way too long there. 
We got to take a time out. When we return here at RP3 and Company, we're going to check in on the Open Championship. We'll unveil our poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultural marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. Look, you already know my friends over at LMG give you show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. But did you know they can also take your outdoor living spaces to another level and help your home become the envy of the neighborhood during game days in the fall? Visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday morning. So go visit lmgelite.com or stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot, Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Let's quickly head out to the hotline and welcome on Martin to the show. Martin, good morning. What is on your mind, sir? Good morning, Mr. Bald and beautiful one. And no, I'm not going to mention my Boston Red Sox being three and seven. I'm not going to steal Hannah Fye's name is Thunder this morning because I'll give, give credit where credit's due. And yes, our Mariners won 10 straight. And uh, like I've been saying the last few few days, if that team gets damage and very, very scared of the Seattle Mariners if they they make it to the playoffs. You know, I mean, after all, this is uh, five names a show, and we just part of it, you know. But uh, just a little interesting fact I heard last night. Um, uh, what's the guy? Uh, Franco Rodriguez, their star. Uh, he's the first Seattle Mariner to enter the home run derby since, I think, Brett Boone. In twenty uh, two thousand and two, I want to say. So uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, uh, I'm not gonna steal her thunder. They playing some good ball. Hopefully, uh, maybe the second half of the season they can, you know, stay red hot. And like I said, if they get into a play- the playoffs, I think they can be one of the teams that can give the Yankees some trouble. But uh, let her have her uh, her day and her moment in glory. And thanks for taking my call, and uh, go Red Sox. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. Giving love to five names. Letting her have her moment in the sun. I believe the Mariners are going to have a few more moments in the sun, so to speak. Once again, if you remember, when we did the preseason stuff, I said I liked the Mariners to be a wild card team. And then they disappeared. 
They just went like, right, eh, we're going to play awful for a month. And that's what they did. They played bad baseball for a month. We just got lost in the forest. It's okay. We found a flashlight. We're okay now. <laughs> we're okay now. Yeah. My dude uh, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Thanks, Martin. Uh, Julio. Yeah, the, 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 the Mariners got trapped in the upside down. Now, now they, yeah. they, they've gotten out. They're we're fine. okay. So, <laughs> no, they do. And, and, and they are a dangerous team. This is why Kevin and I always talk about Baseball's a long season. And I just point to what my Braves did last year. Below 500 at the All-Star break. Made a bunch of trades. Finished extremely strong. Went on a great postseason run. Won the World Series. So, where your Mariners are at right now, a couple games now above 500, you're in great shape. You're in great shape. Do the Mariners have enough pitching? Maybe. Maybe. But I do like what I've seen out of them. And I do like what I've seen out of the Baltimore Orioles. Shout out to the O's for finally being relevant. It's been a long time. 1999 was a long time ago. What was I doing in 1999? Last time the Orioles had won 10-plus games. Whew, I was living in Mobile with my grandparents and my old man. It's going to South Alabama. It's going to concerts. Pretty sure I saw Limp Biscuit at the Gulf Coast Coliseum in Biloxi. <laughs> Pretty sure I was in the mosh pit. <laughs> it's just uh, a long time ago, I was man. Probably finally eating solid foods. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Maybe crawling. Not sure. It was uh <laughs> yeah. I was watching uh going to all types of concerts back then. Godsmack. I was a bit of I, I, I was a bit of a headbanger in my younger years, believe it or not. Yes, if there was a metal show to catch, I was your guy. I also had really long hair then, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. The big bald and beautiful one, nineteen ninety nine. I had shoulder length hair. That actually looked really pretty too. Three earrings, going to metal shows. What a world! <laughs> Things have changed greatly in the last twenty years plus. Let's check in on the Open Championship because it's currently in progress, not because it just teed off. No, 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 no. It's been going on for hours because obviously the Open Championship is held overseas across the pond at St. Andrews this year for the 150th edition of the Open Championship. The Claret Jug is on the line Your leader right now is Cameron Young. That's right. The American is through 14 holes. He is a mere 25 years old, formerly of the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, we love the Corn Ferry Tour. That's where he's won two of his professional victories. Has come on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's only won three times. Two of them. On the Corn Ferry Tour. He's only 25 years old. The Wake Forest graduate. His best performances in majors. Well, he missed the cut at the Masters this year. He finished tied for third, though, at the PGA Championship. He's missed the cut at the U.S. Open 2019, 2021, and 2022. And did not play in the Open Championship until this year. 
He's your leader through 14 holes at seven under par. Then you have a group including an amateur Barclay Brown from England is four under. He shot a 68 in the first round. He's joined there by uh, Kurt Kitamata, who shot a four under as well. Cameron Smith is tied for second at four under through 16 holes. Ernie Els, that's right, that Ernie Els, who was a great golfer 20 years ago, talking about flashbacks, he's four under through 11 holes. Brad Kennedy, four under through 11 holes. Roy McIlroy, your odds-on betting favorite to begin the tournament, is also at four under par through nine holes. Ian Poulter, who, of course, is part of the Live Tour, he was booed, by the way, when he teed off this morning, or last night, rather. His first hole was an adventure where he shanked his tee shot but was able to save par. Poulter pants, as I like to call them, because of the colorful pants he wears. Three under par, tied for eighth. He shot a 69 in the first round. Bryson DeChambeau, another live guy. I'm mentioning those on purpose, by the way. Just need to keep an eye on what happens with the golfers that no one wants to be part of the majors. Bryson DeChambeau tied for 11th, three under par through 17 as well. Lee Westwood, two under par. He's played through 12 holes. Xander Shoffley, the world's number one golfer. He's two under through nine. Webb Simpson shot a one even, I'm sorry, one under 71. He's right outside the top 20. I'm looking at some of the other big names here. We still have so many golfers on the course. Justin Thomas is only through eight. He's one under as well. Phil Mickelson, who was like one of the earliest groups to tee off. Lefty shot even par, as did Patrick Reed. They shot 72s. They're down there tied for 39. Colin Morikawa, he's even par as well. He's only gotten through nine holes. John Daly, my man, John Daly, shot plus one. But he's still out there. And I know what you're thinking. RP3, I haven't heard a few names. Where are they on the old list? Shane Lowry, who was one of the better lying favorites as well, he shot two over through eight. He still got some time to get that score low or at least get to even par and give himself an opportunity. Sergio Garcia is yet to tee off. Adam Scott still to tee off. Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler still to tee off. Still plenty of names to go, including Tiger Woods who's still yet to tee off as well, and Jordan Spieth and John Rahm. So some of the heavy hitters have yet to tee off. So open championship. Cameron Young is your leader in the clubhouse so far through the first round action at St. Andrews. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll unveil our poll question of the day. It's about golf. And we'll wrap up our number one. That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
poll question of the day. It's a good one, too. What iconic golf course is on your bucket list to play? The Open Championship is being played at St. Andrews, which for me is tops on my list. If I had to pick one golf course to go play or just to go walk, not even hit a ball, it would be St. Andrews. But we asked you, what iconic golf course is on your bucket list to play? Right now, 50% of you say Augusta National, home of the Masters. 21% of you say St. Andrews. 14% say Pebble Beach. 15% say other. This tells me that many of you do not have a passport or are unable to get one. <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> oh. We got some comments here. Steve on Twitter says, Augusta National is a dream for any golfer to play. Well, almost anybody. I'm sure the putt-putt at Cart Ranch is Martin's dream spot. It is a little dry for me, Rath, and will have to be on the back burner until the filming of Waterboy 2 is wrapped up. Whoa! Whoa! The saltiness from Steve! What is going on? Martin says, only go to the Cart Ranch to ride the go-karts and bumper boats. You two are a mess. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, got to be where the Masters play. Caleb Broussard says, I'm just trying to play a late triumph. LOL. <laughs> I feel you, bud. I feel you. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. What iconic golf course is on your dream list or your bucket list to play? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Otani puts on a show as the Halos take down the Astros 7-1 last night in Anaheim. Otani becomes only the second pitcher in Major League Baseball history to record four consecutive games of 10 or more strikeouts. The other pitcher to do so was Nolan Ryan. Otani put on a show as he held the Strohs to only four hits. Christian Javier did not have his best game. And the Strohs struggled to hit Otani, who also drove in a couple runs with a triple. Angels get the win, a rare win for them. The rubber match between the Strohs and the Halos will be tonight, and you can listen to it live right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. First pitch is set for 707. As both teams wrap up, this series and get ready for their final series before the all-star break which is next week angels man two generational talents otani special 
Too bad his team isn't. Can you imagine if the Angels were actually a well-run organization? How good they would be? <laughs> Just imagine it. Try to let yourself imagine the possibilities. It is ridiculous. But they'll get after it. Once again, Angels wrap up their first half of the season today against the Astros and then against the Dodgers. The Astros, meanwhile, will play the Angels tonight and then wrap up against the Athletics before the All-Star break. It does not appear that Justin Verlander is going to be pitching in said All-Star game. Looks like he's probably going to bypass it. Which you're, If you're an Astros fan, you're down for. He's been to multiple All-Star games. He's gotten all the individual accolades. You need Justin Verlander for the long haul. Having him possibly get hurt at his age coming off Tommy John surgery in an All-Star game. You let Framer Valdez go pitch in it. Let him have his experience. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but you know, lots of reports are saying that Verlander is not even with the team in California. So we'll see. Yesterday in baseball action as well, the Toronto Blue Jays fired their skipper, which despite being above 500 and being in the wild card spot, they are deciding to part ways with the skipper. They've struggled since the month of July arrived. So not optimal for Toronto. But they're in the mix. They're in the thick of things. Them and the Boston Red Sox have both gone 3-7 and seven in the last 10. They're both in the mix for the wild card. And so are the Baltimore Orioles, who are now climbed up. They've won 10 straight games. First time they've won double-digit games consecutively since 1999. The Seattle Mariners, on the other hand, They've won 10 in a row as well, and they're firmly in the spot for the wild card as well, as it stands today. While baseball is going on and preparing for the Midsummer Classic, you also have the Open Championship going on. Latest updates from St. Andrews which is home for the 150th Open Championship. Cameron Young is still your leader. It's about 1.30 in the afternoon over in uh, United Kingdom. Cameron Young, the youngster, the American, the Wake Forest grad, who won a couple of Corn Ferry Tour events. He is your leader at 7 under par through 16. Cameron Smith, is now at five under par. He carded a 67. Just wrapped up his round. Ernie Els, the South African legend. Man, he's playing well. Five under par through 12 himself. Barclay Brown, the amateur out of England. He carded a 68 today. As did Kurt 
Kitamala, both four under. Roy McIlroy is still at four under through 10, so he's beginning his back nine. Ian Poulter, Bryson DeChambeau, both three under. They both shot 69 today. DeChambeau just wrapped up his first round. So lots of low scores here at St. Andrews for the opening round of the Open Championship. Further down the leaderboard, Webb Simpson, one under. He's tied for 25th right now. He shot a 71 in the first round, as did a group of others. Phil Mickelson shot even par, 72. He was part of the early group that teed off. So did Patrick Reed as well. Still to tee off, some big names. Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods, still yet to tee off. Slew of guys have yet to tee off. Here's the thing that they do at the Open Championship, which is kind of cool. They're not having half the field tee off on 10 and the other half teeing off on 1. Everyone gets to tee off on 1. So it takes a little bit longer because of that. A little bit longer. But Steve still to tee off. Tiger, John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Sam Burns, the former LSU Tiger, Keegan Bradley. They have still yet to hit the course for the first round of the Open Championship at St. Andrews. We'll keep you updated, abreast, if you will, of any updates concerning the Open Championship throughout today's show. That does lead us to our poll question of the day. What iconic golf course is on your bucket list to play? We gave you some options. St. Andrews, where the Open Championship's being played this year. Pebble Beach, a very iconic golf course that's been home to the U.S. Open. Augusta National, home to the Masters. Let's get to some comments here. James, our buddy James. Cypress Point Club, phenomenal course, was able to caddy an early round of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am there back in 1984 for a semi-drunk, semi-pro golfer. Long story, best told over a beer. The only problem is that I hear Daniel Snyder is buying it when he moves out to Cali and comes out of the closet as the secret odor of the angels for the past 20 years. <laughs> I saw that story too. Thank you, James. Oh man. That's a good comment. Cypress point. Yes. I've heard Cypress point is, is, is quite, quite magnificent. This is some other comments here on Twitter for our poll question of the day. What iconic golf courses on your bucket list to play? Uh-oh, I've, I've experienced an error. Well, that's no good. There we go. Where do you gave your comments from Steve and Martin going back and forth? That's our new rivalry, apparently. John Paul, Cajun Daddy, had said, got to be where the Masters plays. Martin says, none of them because I'll never see the money it costs to play the course, and plus, none of them would let me wear my cutoff jean shorts and cowboy boots and use my wooden golf clubs. 
but it is on my bucket list to take Salty Steve to play golf one day and leave him with the bill. <laughs> Keep those folks coming. Martin and Steve. A little back and forth there. I love to play the game. I think I would rather be a spectator at one of the courses. Because I play the game so poorly, I feel like I would be insulting the course. Like, I would be disrespecting the courses. Any three of those courses or any of the courses, I feel like I would be disrespecting the course and the game of golf by even attempting to swing a club on said course. Even though it would be cool as hell to be able to do so. Right now, 53% of you say Augusta National. 20% say St. Andrews. 14% say other, 13% say Pebble Beach. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. What iconic golf course is on your bucket list to play? Hey, before we take a timeout, I got to remind you about something. We're headed to Atlanta. What? What? Headed to the ATL. That's right. That's where the players play, by the way. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We're packing our bags and we're headed to Atlanta for SEC Media Days next week. Starting Monday, yours truly, RP3, the big, bald, and beautiful one. Is Atlanta ready for me? No, they are not. And crunch time with Matt Miguez or Matthew. We'll be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Boardlawn Furniture. Not only will yours truly and Matthew be broadcasting live from Radio Row, we'll also be providing live updates every single day on Footnotes with Kevin Foote. That'll be at 10.15, I've been told. Every morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then at 2.15 on the afternoons, with Uncle Jordy, the Blonde Bomber, on the Jordy Holberg Show. So make sure to kick off the 2022 college football season with us in Atlanta as we are the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, as we're getting on the road for a summer road trip. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Phone lines are open. Look, if you want to get your phone calls in this morning, you want to throw your hat in the ring to be a game changer of the week, now's your time. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home, for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Oh, the Houston Astros are one of the best teams in baseball this season. And guess what? You can see them live in person. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston will take on the Seattle Mariners, who have won 10 straight. Hannah Five names flexed up earlier on the show. I may give her the opportunity to do so again here momentarily. Astros, Mariners, at the Big Juice Box, Saturday, July 30th. And guess what? You can be there. Five names may be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself, wait for it, four tickets. That's right. Like the four horsemen. Four tickets. A tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. That way you can rest your head on your pillow after hopefully watching your team win. Who is your team? I don't know. Maybe you're an Astros fan. Maybe you're a Mariners fan living in Astros country like a certain producer extraordinaire is. Once again, four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, hotel accommodations that Saturday night, Mariners Strohs, Saturday, July 30th. But you can only win our latest Astros weekend getaway by becoming a member of our rewards club, go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and sign up today. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Led Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, five names. They're only going to play each other seven more times the rest of the season, and that'll be wrapped up by the end of July. That weekend series at the Big Juice Box will be the last time in the regular season that the Shros and the Mariners face each other. Yep. Now, we know, we all know, it's been well documented that you are preparing for your nuptials next year. So, much of your free time on weekends is spent doing things with dresses and flowers and cakes and DJs and all that good jazz. Yeah. But, but... But, hear me out. Okay. I know you're trying to save money. I know you're focused on your nuptials. But your team is one of the hottest teams in baseball. Will you and the fiancé make the short drive over to Houston, over to H-Town, now that gas prices are starting to drop a bit? Relief to many, including yours truly, who's taking a road trip, a family vacation, a Griswold family vacation, if you will, this summer. So gas prices being lower, beneficial to me. Are you going to go watch your Mariners for the first time in person take on the Houston Astros? That weekend, is that going to happen? It's not set in stone, but I have looked at prices of the tickets at least twice a day since I realized that the last series is at home. <laughs> Hoping that Kenneth catches me looking at them at the house and sees, oh, maybe I should get her tickets. Maybe time out. Time out. Time out. We're gonna stop. We're gonna we're gonna pause right now. Yeah. You just did the woman thing. Yeah. I, I I'm gonna speak up for all the fellas out there listening. <laughs> and and many older fellas understand what I'm about to say. Traditionally, women love to do this. Mm. They love to have their man read their mind. 
well, why didn't you pay attention to the little clues I dropped? I didn't want to come out and just ask. No, 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 no. I'll go ahead and save you some, 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 some strife, some heartache, some hard work here. Five names. If you want your man to get you something, mm-hmm. if you would like him to know that you would like to go see the Mariners take on the Astros the final weekend of this month, the month of July, then you need to tell him. Because I'm going to paint the scenario for you. You're going to try to drop. You just said, I'm hoping he looks at my, while I'm at my phone. First of all, first of all, that's a recipe for failure. Two, men appreciate directness. We are built in a way of taking direct orders. Yes, we all do the same thing sometimes, though. So that he, he literally will sit on the couch and look at me and look at the water that's on the table. Look what, at me, look at the water. What I Thinking want that you to get the water for him. What I want you to do, if you want to go to the game, mm-hmm. it is July 14th. It is. Correct? Yes. See, si, senor. Say it again for me. July 14th, yes? Yes, July 14th. So we have a couple weeks until the end of the month for that final series between the Mariners and the Strohs, yes? Yes, 16 days. Go ahead. Okay. Now is the time. I want you to go home. You talk to your lovely bowling phenomenon fiancé of yours and say, hey, baby cakes, I want to go see the Mariners play the Astros because that's – the last time I'll be able to see them in the regular season, do you think we could go to the game? Now, he may do the trickaroo on you, which fellas like to do. He may say, babe, you know I love you. We're getting married. I just don't know if I can take off work. I don't know if we can swing that right now. And you'll be initially disappointed, but at least you threw, put it in his corner. And then he'll be allowed to t- trick you and say, no, we can't go, and then he'll be allowed to surprise you by taking you. But you can't expect the man to read your mind, young lady. It's not how it works. I mean, he does often, but, you know, he's off of work that weekend. So. Tell him today. He also just bought a $600 grill the other day, so maybe him even more. Tell him today. (laughs) Tell him today. Because what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to tell him. You're going to expect him to pick up on hints and clues, which women love to do to their men. Well, I gave you hints. I Didn't you remember me mentioning it in a conversation on June 27th that I would have liked to go to that game? And the man's going to look at you with the dumb look on his face going, no, I've slept since then. And then you're going to be disappointed when that weekend comes around and you're not in Houston cheering on your Mariners. So be proactive and mention it to your future husband today. And what happens if he goes and reminds me that you said you were taking me and the rest of our team on that trip and then it became a giveaway? What if he throws that back at me? Then what do I do? At least you put it in his corner. (laughs) Okay. Silence is key right here. You're not good. You're not going to take my recommendation, and you're going to be disappointed at the end of the month. 
Who's the old man of the two of us? <laughs> Who's the old dumb man who who has learned the hard way? Like, my wife has gotten to the point now. I finally have gotten her to understand this. I told her, babe, if you want something or if you like something, then you just shoot me a text. And she will shoot me random texts. Hey, I really think this is cute. And that's her way of telling me, now that she's kind of trained me, of, okay, boom, I saved that image on my phone because that's something my wife wants me to possibly buy for her for her birthday or Christmas. Yeah. Men need help. I mean, he's got the point where, like, when I say, it'd be greatly appreciated if it's the trash out, and then he realizes, oh, you mean right now. Oh, so see, he gets up to his take. Oh, yes. Oh, the classic woman passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it'd be great enough. if you could take out the trash. Oh, or it'd be great if the trash could be taken out. Uh-huh. Instead of just asking, babe, can you take out the trash? Because you're supposed to be able to walk around your own kitchen. And realize, Men hey, and women the trash are can is built full. differently. Maybe you should take it out. You are going to find this out. You're still young. God bless you. How your mother or your mothers have not trained you and taught you this yet? I feel like it's my my responsibility yeah, now. Yeah, because I didn't have they didn't have to because my dad and my stepdad both were uh-huh. the people that went to trash out. And you can, I, oh, no, no, no. I've watched it happen. I've watched a Saturday when I need taken out. And I watched And you believe that they weren't trained at some point by their wives. You honestly believe that. The the microphone didn't die. Oh, there it is. It's dying. Anyways, my stepdad was the clean person in our house. So, like, he did, like, the mopping and the sweeping and all that. Listen listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you really want to go to the freaking... Mariners Astros game at the end of the month. Ask him. Okay, I'm gonna ask him, and I'm also gonna make this our promo for today, so that it plays in the car whenever he gets off. <laughs> what? Too. <laughs> so it's like an extra reminder. <laughs> You're gonna make me contact him separately, aren't you? No. This is what's gonna I'm happen. I'm gonna literally make it our promo today, and he's in here in the car, and I'm also gonna tell him when I get home. I'm like, hey, you just spent money, and we just built. Until 11 o'clock last night, this 200-pound girl. I feel like we should go to the Mariners game now. Thank you. One thing has, nothing, one, one thing has nothing to do with the other. Yes, ma'am. No, it doesn't. He just wants me to sit on the couch and play with a little app with his grill so to stand outside. Well, I want to go sit in the sun and watch the Astros game. So, First of all, you've already been to an Astros game once this year. You understand there is a roof there, so you don't yeah, have to worry about bright. being in the sun. I feel like it's still bright. It feels like the sun's still. We have to take a timeout. Okay. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. It's fine. The classic woman thing. Well, I'm I'm hoping he looks looks at me while I'm on my phone. What's he doing typically when you're on your phone? Playing video games or watching television? Uh, usually watching a YouTube video of chess or playing chess on his phone. So his attention is elsewhere. Yeah. While you're trying to drop subtle hints on your phone. Yeah, well, he usually realizes that I'm playing the same video like four times in a row. He's like, I think I probably should look at that. He looks over my phone to see what I'm reading because I'll let the video play and the same sound play over and over again. And he realizes, I could probably look at that. <laughs> He's learned that. But you've kind of had to teach him that. That's my point. Once again, men understand directness. Trust me on this. 
trust me on this five days. We got to take a timeout. You got to trust me on that. When we return, the great Gazzolo will join us. Our friend from the Lake Charles American Press, McNeese beat writer and columnist, Southland Conference. Hashtag Southland Strong indeed. As they have are expanding, heading into their media day next week in Lake Charles. To break it all down for us will be Jim. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and Company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you can score yourself a new Apple Watch by simply sending a text message. Even I can do that. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME. The 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win a brand new Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Houston Astros tickets, concert tickets, station swag, and more. It's the game's brand new text club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Joining us now on RP3 and Company, is the man who covers the McNeese Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press. He's a reporter, a columnist, a television star, and he's often heard right here on these airwaves as the guest host extraordinaire. It's the great Gazzolo, Jim Gazzolo. Jim, good morning, brother. How are you, my friend? Uh, Overwhelmed by that introduction. Overwhelmed. But before we do a deep dive into hashtag Southland Strong and the McNeese Cowboys. As okay. a longtime married fella yourself, do it should 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 we? I'm trying to explain this to Hannah. She she's trying to give subtle hints to her fiance to take her to the Mariners Astros game later this month. And she's like, well, yeah. I, I, I'm you know, looking up tickets on my phone, and I'm hoping that he sees it. And I stopped her dead in her tracks and said, no, 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 no. Men respond to directness. You need to tell your fiancé that you would like to go to the game if you really want to be able to go to the game. I'm trying to explain yeah. to her that's how men are built, and it would only get worse once they get married. Can you please uh, give her some sound advice as well as a longtime married man yourself, please? We want to get hit on the head with a bat to be told what to do. It's just that simple. Otherwise, here's the only thing that could go well. He is extraordinarily gifted in the idea of subtlety, 
and he will surprise her at the last minute, which means she'll either be anxious up until that minute and be surprised, or she'll be disappointed. So I say, hey, why don't we go to the Mariners game, honey? And that would end it all. How long you been married for, Jim? How many years? Oh, 33. 33 years. 33 wonderful years. Happily married. See how that works? Five names. Trying to help you here. (laughs) Trying to help you here. It's just the way nature made it. That's right. We want to be told what to do by hitting us in the head with a hammer. Yeah. Do this. It simplifies the process. Yes, it does. There we go. Everybody gets what they want when that happens. There we go. See, because the man. You constant, they can move on. That's right. We we just want you to be happy. Sometimes yes. we need to be told how to make that happen. <laughs> it's how that works. Yes. Yes. And, and being direct is always yes. the, the best case. All right, but let's get oh, yeah. to the Southland Conference. It wasn't that long ago, even earlier this what? year, that the conference appeared to be on the on death's doorstep. Teams had left, departing for places like the WAC. And yet here we stand a week out from media day, and the conference has gotten stronger. It's convinced one member to not leave at the 11th hour, and it's convinced a former member to leave its new conference a year early to come back and rejoin, so much so that the conference was forced to redo the schedules for the fall football season because of it, what do you make of what's happening with a conference that looked like it was dead just a few months ago? Um, it's, it, it's the great survival. It's the great turnaround, rebirth, whatever you want to call it. Um, one school flipped late. One school flopped early. And here we are with a 10-team conference, eight football schools, and – Without question, the winner of the battle of between them and the WAC. Without question, because at the end of the day, they're standing. And right now, the WAC maybe has three schools that are going to play football together. Um, once Sam Houston leaves, we don't know what the WAC's going to look like. But we know the Southland uh, looks pretty strong. And really, for the first time in my memory, they're the place that schools want to go to, um, are looking to go to. And they're looking to come back. And we're not done yet. This is a long way from being done. So as it stands right now, we're, it, they've added Incarnate Word, or, or rather Incarnate Word decided not to leave for the WAC is the better way of describing that, as you uh, reported on it uh, I- extremely well for the Lake Charles American Press. They decided, hey. They were hey, never going. They were never going. Right. They decided to stay. Great. The yeah. Lamar thing is interesting because – they, they rejoined the conference now, what, for the third time? So they, they've always yep. looked for the grass to be greener elsewhere and have, you know, figured out once again that, hey, you know, uh, you're in Beaumont. Be happy to be in the Southland Conference. And I, I, say that, well, I, I say that as someone who used to live in Beaumont and cover the Lamar Cardinals. So Lamar is interesting, though, right? Because this has happened because of a change of leadership. What can you tell us? Well, it's happened because of two things. One is the change in the WAC. People underestimate the change in the WAC. They guaranteed that they were going to be a two-bid basketball league. They got 23 teams with 20 wins. 
they were a one-bid basketball league. That means they're the same as the Southland. Say what you want. At the end of the day, they were the same as the Southland last year with a one-bid league. Two, the path to FBS football, which is what everybody sold on, dried up when New Mexico State took their automatic birth into FBS and left for Conference USA. And when Sam Houston went with them, the two best football programs in the league were gone. Now they don't look so good to FBS. So now all this FBS money and talk of what the two bids were going to give you and how that would pay for travel and how the FBS money would pay for travel, that's not happening. And all you're doing is paying for travel. Lamar looked at it. The new president came in and said, wait a minute. This is stupid. We're not getting the money we were promised. There's no guarantee we're going to get it. And we're delving out all this money and travel. We can't do that. It doesn't make sense. And he, he won't be alone in that as we move forward. Now, they made the decision, the Southland Conference did, to go ahead and bring Lamar back a year early. They could have easily just waited and kept the schedules as is. What was the yes. thought behind that to go ahead as and say, second oh, time. yeah, what, what was the thought process behind go ahead and getting them to just to join the conference early and reshuffling everything at the last minute? Um, a couple of weeks of pain would be outlived by having a solid foundation for football and look very good at negotiating tables with other people want to come in. That, that's really it. It made it look better. It evens things out in the long run. And it solidifies, look, it solidifies everything in other sports, too. Baseball, bringing in commerce. Commerce didn't have baseball. So baseball would have been down to nine schools like softball. Okay, they're at nine schools now, but they would have been down to seven had this happened. Uh, playing. So now you, you re-up your baseball. Baseball will probably go to three games a week. Series is again like everybody else instead of the four they were talking about. So that solidifies that. Helps in softball. It helps in a lot of other areas as well. So it's not just football, but primarily when it comes to football, it was let's rip the Band-Aid off now and let's just do it because we're going to do it anyway. It doesn't make sense for all these schools to be playing lame duck games in lame duck leagues, even at the big level. You're going to leave, just do it. Figure it out and do it. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo, covers the McNeese Cowboys for the Lake Charles American Press. He's also the man behind Poke Nation, which can be seen weekly on television over in Lake Charles. All right, buddy, let's shift gears now. You mentioned it. They're not done, right? We know Sam Houston State no. is not going to return because they've gone on no. to uh, officially greener pastures yet again. But there are some teams that left the Southland when it appeared to be a sinking ship in the last three years or so that seemed to be great candidates to return to the conference. I'm talking about Stephen F. Austin, the Lumberjacks, and, of course, Central Arkansas, who plays on that delightful gray and purple turf up in the wilderness state. What's the likelihood yeah. that we could see both of those teams rejoin the conference in the next year? Uh, I think Central Arkansas would love to. I think that's being worked on as we speak. Um, I think Sam, I think Stephen F., um, that depends on who you listen to. Listen to their fans. No way. We're going to FBS. We're the next big thing. We're hot ticket. Boom, boom, boom. We're the lines. 
new president, has ties to Lamar's new president, um, wonders what they're doing money-wise. Uh, you talk to SFA coaches. Each one of them would love to be back in the Southwood because of travel. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's more of a chance than people think. I get called everything on, on Twitter when I say that. Um, I just like to tell people I haven't been wrong yet. Prove <laughs> <laughs> where I've been wrong yet about all this. And it's not that we know stuff of that. You just got to read between the lines and what's happening throughout college sports, and what's financially good. Now, I can tell you this much. I've been told by several sources that I think Stephen S. is on the radar of Conference USA. Um, Tarleton is on the radar of Conference USA. McNeese is on the radar of Conference USA. And uh, Western Kentucky, I believe, or I forget which Kentucky, but one of the schools is on the Rainer for Conference USA. As the WAC changes, as Mountain West changes, because the Pac-12 is changing, there could be a trickle-down effect to where all four of those get in sooner rather than later. So th- this is a this is a long way from being over. All right, bud. I'll get you out of here with this. Southland Media Day will be held in Lake Charles at LaBerge next week. What do you think the big storyline is, or what's the thing that you're looking forward to the most while you're out there covering it for the Lake Charles American Press? I want to see who people are really picking to win the conference, a conference that has numerous changes. Nobody's quarterback is back. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, You know, somebody asked me a week and a half ago, who's going to win the conference? I said, who's going to be in the conference? Uh, I, I think it's just, the whole idea of Chris Grant's commissionership and how well he's put together people and all of a sudden the change in attitude of the president's room, the AD's room, into working together instead of Texas against Louisiana, I think that's the biggest storyline coming out of the South. Jim, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you so much, and we'll be in touch, my friend. Enjoy your upcoming weekend. The Chuck says have a great day. (laughs) And we say have a great day to the Chuck, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see you. See you, bud. Oh, we got to take a time out. We'll wrap up our number two. We'll give you an update from the Open Championship and on our poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, let's get an update on the Open Championship from St. Andrews, shall we? Your leader, still leading, Cameron Young. He carded a 8-under 64 for his first round. He's your leader in the clubhouse early there at St. Andrews. Only a few strokes behind is Cameron Smith. He's tied for second as he carded a five under par 67 today. Ernie Ells is still on the course through 13 holes. He's five under as well. Roy McElroy is now tied for second. He's five under as well through 12 holes. 
So plenty of low scores there for the opening round of the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Lee Westwood is up now tied for fifth as he's four under through 15 holes as well. Ian Poulter, Bryson DeChambeau tied for eighth as they carded three under par 69s this morning as well. Still to tee off today, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Tiger Woods, and others. Our poll question of the day, speaking of St. Andrews, what iconic golf course is on your bucket list to play? 53% of you say Augusta National, home of the Masters. 20% say St. Andrews, 14% of you say other, while 13% of you say Pebble Beach. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. That's going to do it for our number two here of RP3 and Company, but not to worry. We got more great content coming up. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com will join us to talk Saints and Pelicans. That's next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Word number three has arrived. Not to be sad. Don't be sad. We still got plenty of greatness to provide to you. Jonathan Van Tobel will be joining us from VEASAN, senior analyst for them. We're going to talk a little NBA Summer League with him coming up half an hour from right now. We're going to continue to update you about what's happening at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. But right now, it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Pelicans with our guy. From CrescentCitySports.com, the award-winning columnist reporter, Les East, joins us now. Les, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing great, bud. I'm doing great. So, I want to start off talking Pelicans, and we'll switch over to Saints before wrapping up our conversation. So, I keep seeing these reports, but, you know, you never do know who to trust on social media. Did the Brooklyn Nets, in fact, offer Kevin Durant? Did they actually put together a trade proposal to the Pelicans and the Pelicans rejected it? I don't know for a fact that they did that. Uh, Neither would surprise me. I think uh, the Nets, just like a lot of people in the media, naturally would look at Kevin Durant wanting to be traded and they would look around the league and say, well, who could put together a package that would be attractive? And because of all the young players and the future draft picks, the Pelicans naturally would be a team capable of putting together a big package. So it'd be natural for the Nets to approach the Pelicans, and it would also be natural, as I wrote at CrescentCitySports.com, for the Pelicans to say thanks but no thanks because it would 
destroy what they've been trying to build for the last couple of years uh, to give away um, the type of package that the Nets would want. So I don't know if that actually happened, but it's I think the most likely scenario would be that Brooklyn would approach the Pelicans and that they would not be able to make a request that the Pelicans would want to satisfy. They're committed to their core group less, and that is uh, amazing to hear that they, they feel like they have something developing there. But they're going to have to make some roster decisions now um, in the next month or so. First up, what do they do with their second-round pick out of Ohio State, Liddell, who tore his ACL? I mean, he's not going to be able to play at all. Are they still going to sign him? What are they going to do there with his contract? Well, you know, he's a guy they felt pretty strongly about. He was generally considered first-round quality that they got in the second round. You know, so I think they want to have him. Obviously, the serious knee injury complicates things. But I think they want to find a way to be able to sign him and uh, have him on the roster and let him rehab and look forward to having him maybe next year. But that's a complicated situation because they have such a tight roster at this point. So I don't know exactly how they're going to make that work, but I think their preference is to get him uh, signed and let him rehab. Uh, and then, you know, in a sense, that could simplify things and that they were going to have trouble finding a way for him to play this year anyway. But now they still have to find a way to have him on the roster so they can have him for next year, which I think would be their preference. So they'll, you're saying that they'll take care of him financially with a contract and obviously just let him rehab because they, they value him as a piece. What do they do with some of the guards that they have because they have some decisions to make here because of roster. Like they took the young man out of Australia out of the G league from uh, who they love. Um, I don't know if he's a starter. He probably has to be developed into a rotational player, but then you got Kyra Lewis coming off an injury. He really hasn't lived up to his potential. Even before the injury, you got Devonte Graham and his off the court issues and his playing time got cut in because of Jose last year. What do they do at the guard spot with this roster? Well, it's uh, it's a pretty complicated situation. I think you kind of laid out why it's that way. Devontae Graham, I think, was the guy they were probably looking to move, and uh, I think they probably still are, but his arrest is going to make that a lot more difficult than it would have been, so I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, get rid of him, uh, at least not in the short term. Uh, depending on how long it takes for his case to get resolved. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr., I think they saw glimpses from him the first two years that suggested he could be a good player. But the way Jose Alvarado came on the second half of last year shows that they have a young uh, backup point guard uh, that they can count on um, beyond Kyra. So it's possible that they could feel good enough with Jose that uh, the Kyra winds up being the odd man out. I don't think if they want it to be that way, because I think they feel like Kyra still has potential to be a rotational player. The question is whether or not they have room for him, and that could come down to whether or not they're able to move Devontae Graham.
It's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem they have to work through, is how do they fit all of the pieces that they like uh, onto the roster. And here's the other thing that stands out to me about this team, and I want to get your perspective on this. So uh, Devontae Graham went from a starter to a rotational guy. Jose is a rotational guy. You mentioned Kyra as a rotational guy. The lottery pick from Australia, a rotational guy. I don't hear starting point guard in any of those descriptions. Is that a problem? I don't think it is because of the way the the – NBA is now, as you know, we hear the term all the time, positionless league. Uh, the 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 one of the biggest keys to their success late last season was deciding to move Devonte Graham to the bench and let C.J. McCollum uh, move into the starting lineup as a guard. And he is going to be, uh, you know, he's a, a classic combo guard he can play he's not a traditional point guard but he can play the point he can play the two he can have the ball in his hands they they said last week there's no doubt zion williamson is gonna have the ball in his hands sometimes i don't think he's going to be point zion as frequently as we saw two years ago under stan van gundy although he showed enough at that time that that's uh, that's a role that they still have to take a look at. Brandon Ingram's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. So, you know, a, a traditional point, they may not have anybody on the roster who's a traditional starting point guard, but they have enough really good facilitators who can uh, uh, start the offense with the ball in their hands and be effective. So I think it's going to be a group effort. McCollum, Ingram, Williamson, they're all going to be the guys uh, that instigate the offense with the ball in their hands at various times. And then those rotational players will come on and maybe play more of a traditional point guard position. But I, I think their offense is going to be fine without one starter being labeled a traditional point guard. Now, they don't have to worry about roster management because with Liddell, you know, getting hurt like he did, that puts them back at essentially at 15. Um, they're going to take their time here if they decide to move on from Jackson Hayes and Devontae Graham. They could have them both on the roster for the upcoming season or they could wait till the actual trade deadline to move them, correct, Les? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, if you look at the, the off-season priorities, I, I, I think number one is to get an extension done with C.J. McCollum. They want to get an extension done with Larry Nance Jr. And they want to decide what to do with Jackson Hayes. They could extend him or they could trade him or, you know, he could be a, a piece they could dangle at, at the trading deadline. And Devontae Graham, I think, is a guy – for whom they will get better offers as they get closer to the trading deadline because, one, uh, his legal situation is more likely to be sorted out by February than it is by September, and also because teams tend to figure out uh, closer to the deadline. When they get to midseason, they realize what they need uh, to make a push that season. If somebody feels they need a, a more depth at guard, to uh, improve their postseason chances, then maybe somebody ups the ante a little bit for Devontae Graham. So I, I you know, it, it's quite possible the season starts with both the uh, Hayes and Graham on the roster, uh, and then February becomes another uh, key uh, moment in the potential uh, changing of the roster. 
We're talking with Les East, CrescentCitySports.com, Saints and Pelicans reporter. He joins us now here on the game. One more Pelicans question, Les. We saw what this team's potential is with the lineup the way it is with McCollum and B.I. and others. We see how they responded to Willie Green's coaching. Now they add Zion back to the mix. Is the biggest challenge, the biggest objective, rather, for this team during camp and gearing up for the season is how to easily incorporate Zion back into the starting lineup and have that chemistry with his teammates. Is that the number one objective? Yeah, I think probably so. I mean, you're talking about, you know, roughly 28 points, eight rebounds, three or four assists a game that that you're just adding to the mix with a unique talent, a guy who's, you know, built like a power forward, but has played point guard and can play anywhere on the floor, essentially. So uh, he, he's a great uh, talent to have, and yet he's not a guy where you just plug him in. You know, you pick up Jonas Valanciunas last year, and you say, okay, he's our center. <laughs> you know, you pick you pick up Zion Williamson, and you add him back in the mix, and you say, okay, he's Zion. Okay, there are all these different things he can do and different ways we can use him. It's a wonderful opportunity, and yet it's not the simplest thing in the world to do, especially with a group that had figured things out so well collectively last year. So it's something Willie Green is is extremely happy to have to work through and yet it's not simple. So that will be the biggest thing is to put him in the lineup probably as the number four replacing Jackson Hayes, but then to figure out, well, what does that mean offensively and defensively, how we position these guys, how they get to know each other, how they play together. So it's going to take a lot of work, but it's something they're extremely excited about being able to do. All right, bud, let's switch over to the Saints. Uh, Some reports coming out yesterday, and I'm not completely surprised by the fact that there's reports coming out that Sean Payton's going to be interested in coaching in 2023. Um, Some have linked him to possibly coaching the Chargers or Dolphins or Cowboys, which is always interesting to me because those teams currently have coaches. (laughs) <laughs> and they, they could easily have good seasons, right? So that's, uh, you know, they won't be in the, in the uh, uh, they won't be looking for a coach. But do you believe Sean Payton will be coaching again in 2023? And if that's the case, what type of compensation do the Saints get for their former coach deciding to coach again? How's that break down? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, all we know, what we're going to hear, we heard reports every couple of years that Sean Payton was going somewhere else when he was coaching the Saints. So now that he's unemployed, essentially, you're going to hear even more about this. So, yeah, Sean Payton is going to coach again, and it's going to be in the near future. And sometime in the next 12 months, a few NFL teams are going to be looking for an NFL head coach. And Sean Payton might wind up in one of those yet-to-be-determined places. But, you know, where he winds up is just people making up stuff right now. No one in the world knows where he's going to be coaching next year or if he's going to be coaching. The only thing that matters to the Saints is what you brought up, is what kind of compensation they might get. You know, and I I think they're going to look for the, the, the moon. They're going to try and get the best that they can, you know, at, at least – 
one number one draft choice, if they can get multiple high picks or, or something comparable to that, if it includes a veteran player, I, you know, I think they're going to hold a, a pretty good hand when it comes to negotiating that deal. So I, I would think that they would hope that they could get, if, if this happens during the, the next off season, they would hope to at least replace that number one pick that they gave up to move up in the draft next year and probably more than that. Training camp is going to begin in, in just a few weeks, less than a few weeks now, less. What's the big thing, your number one thing that you're looking forward to seeing or going to maybe not necessarily looking forward to seeing because that would be from a fan perspective. What's the thing as someone who covers this team that you're the most intrigued by when camp opens up in a few weeks? Well, I think there's, there's probably a couple. I mean, I think the first one is everybody wants to see where Mike Thomas is at. I mean, the the assumption is that he's going to be uh, uh, basically 100% and an all-pro caliber wide receiver when the season starts. Now, there's no guarantee of that. So let's see him on the field. Let's see him in preseason games and, and figure out if that's a realistic possibility. That's certainly what the Saints are hoping for. I think the second thing would be that let's look at the left tackle position. How does Trevor Penning look? Once they put on pads, it's going to be, I don't know, July 30th or or thereabouts before they have their first practice in pads. Let's see how Trevor Penning looks. Is he ready as a rookie to step in and start? Or is it more likely that James Hurst uh, is going to have to man that position until Penning is ready? And then the, the the cloud hanging over the whole situation is, is what happens with Alan Kamara's uh, legal case. Uh, he has a court date, I believe, August 1st in Las Vegas. We have no idea if it's going to be resolved then or in the, the near future. So those are all things we're going to be looking at. But the first thing everybody wants to see is, is how does Mike Thomas look? And, and of course, Jameis Winston as well, but we got a glimpse of him in minicamp and, and the OTA. So I, I think Mike Thomas is number one. Let everybody with the Saints is hoping that uh, he looks like the guy that he was before the ankle injury two years ago. Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of your week and your upcoming weekend, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks, Raymond. That's Les East of CrescentCitySports.com covers the Pelicans, covers the New Orleans Saints. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update the poll question of the day. Also give you the latest updates from the Open Championship at St. Andrews. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh, Open Championship, your leader in the clubhouse for the first round of the fourth and final major of the season is Cameron Young, the young fella, Wake Forest grad, former Corn Ferry Tour winner twice. 
is your leader. Eight under par, shot a 64 for the first round. Tied for second is Cameron Smith, who shot a five under 67. And Ernie Els, that's a name from back in the day. A blast from the past, if you will. The South African great is five under through 15 holes. So see, he still has an opportunity here to put himself firmly in second place by himself. Ernie Els. Also on the leaderboard, Barclay Brown, the amateur out of England, shot a four under 68. He's tied for fourth. Lee Westwood also shot a four under 68. Lee Westwood in that category of great golfers never to win a major. Could this be his year that he wins the Open Championship? Rory McIlroy has dropped a shot. He's now tied for fourth. He's four under through 13 this morning. And then we have a group of others, Bryson DeChambeau, Ian Poulter. They carded three under 69s there in the top 10. Danny Willett as well there with a three under 69. Xander Shoffley, the hottest golfer on the face of the planet, who comes into the Open Championship winning multiple events. Xander is through 13 holes. He's now three under par. He's tied for eighth. So he's in the hunt as well. Justin Thomas, two-time major winner, tied for 18th right now at two under par. He's through 12. And I go through the list. Webb Simpson had a decent start to the Open Championship. He shot one under par, a 71 earlier this morning. Still to tee off today, Tiger Woods. Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, still to go. You have some others that recently have teed off in just the last half hour. That includes Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler. They're both one under through three holes. Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, and Zach Johnson all teed off earlier. They carded even par 72s for the first round of the Open Championship being held at St. Andrews. So, golf's fourth and final major. The battle for the Claret Jug is ongoing, and we'll keep you updated about that throughout the rest of today's show. We asked you, our poll question of the day, what iconic golf course is on your bucket list to play? What's the dream for you to play if you had to just pick one? Robert Miller's uh, uh, chimed in with a comment here. He said, visited Torrey Pines last year. Didn't have time to play, but would love to go back and play around just a beautiful course. Yes, I've heard it is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal place to watch golf as it's been in the rotation for the U.S. Open and, of course, the PGA Championship. But right now, 53% of you say Augusta National, which, of course, hosts the Masters every single year. 20% of you say St. Andrews. That would be my vote. That of cur- currently is where the 150th Open Championship is being held, the birthplace of golf. 14% say other, and 13% of you say Pebble Beach and its historic and iconic scenic views. Doug has chimed in. Our guy, Doug, says, I don't golf, 
But if I did, everybody would have to wear helmets. But I'll ride in the cart with Martin as long as he doesn't drink all the beer and start singing. Hashtag go teal. <laughs> now we got Doug coming in with Martin and Steve stuff. I love it. I absolutely love it. Once again, I still refer back to Caleb's comment earlier on Twitter. I'm just trying to play a late Ralph. LOL. <laughs> just say it. I would love, man. Uh, look, yeah, you can't go wrong with any three of those. You could go some other courses. Royal Troon would be a tremendous course as well. Beth Page Black, Tory Pines, Pinehurst. There's some monster courses out there that are pretty phenomenal. I- I'd love to play. Uh, you know, we didn't have this as an option. It's become iconic. It has one of the best holes and most well-known holes in golf that of course is tpc sawgrass down in florida home of the players championship hole number 17 the island green is amazing i'd love to be able to see that go cover a players championship just once that would be amazing so keep those comments coming leave them on facebook and twitter and keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. What iconic golf course would you love to play? Of course, it's in honor of the Open Championship, which is teed off today, the 150th edition of that great tournament. And it's being held at St. Andrews, the old course there, the birthplace of golf. So keep it coming. Right now, though, we got to take a time out. When we return here... On RP3 and Company, Jonathan Van Tobel will be joining us from VEASAN, senior NBA analyst that's coming up next. We're going to talk a little NBA Summer League and some bets. That'll be next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Brett Musburger's action. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 14th, 2019. Novak Djokovic wins the longest ever Wimbledon final over Roger Federer. 7-6-1-6-7-6-4-6-13-12 in 4 hours 57 minutes. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. SEC, SEC, that's right. We'll be hearing the chance. For four straight days when we head to Atlanta next week for SEC Media Days. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We're packing our bags and we're headed to the ATL. Tune in starting Monday as both RP3 and company, yours truly, and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from Radio Row inside the College Football Hall of Fame for the games live from SEC Media Day coverage presented by Borderline Furniture. Not only will yours truly and Matt Miguez be broadcasting live all four days, we're also going to be providing updates live every morning on footnotes at 1015 and then on the Jordy Holberg show at 215. So make sure to kick off the 2022 
college football season with us in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Right now, though, it's time for us not to talk college football or SEC media days or media day season. It's time for us to talk a little NBA, a little summer league, if you will, which is currently going on in Las Vegas. And we're going to do so with a gentleman that's going to be making his RP3 and company debut. Hopefully, it'll go well and he'll want to return. He is the NBA senior analyst for Vizen. Jonathan Van Tobel joins us. Jonathan, good morning to you, brother. How are you, bud? I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I write about the NBA every day, uh, so I am a little bit of an NBA nerd. So being out here at the Thomas and Mac every single day, hanging out, watching all these guys play, it's been a lot of fun. So also, I mean, you know, when you bet on a, a couple of teams to win the Summer League Championship, you, you're a little invested in the results as well. So, you know, there's that aspect of it too, you know. <laughs> yeah, there, there it is, yeah. We'll play some bets. All right, so uh, let's, let's start there. What's kind of stood out to you about the Summer League so far? And do you take what you see on the court with kind of a grain of salt on whether or not these guys are going to actually be able to, to be developed and turn into something to help their teams win more games? Yeah, absolutely. And it goes the other way too, right? Like even guys who aren't performing extremely well, I think you take it with a grain of salt and realize that this isn't the best setting for them. You know, a good example is Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, the first couple of games, so a little quiet, pretty inefficient. Uh, had a good game in their, in their last, I think it was their win over the San Antonio Spurs. Um, but I think you take all of it and go, all right, you know, look, it's four games in a developmental setting and they'll play a fifth after it's decided in terms of the championship game uh, for who's going to be in there. So we'll see what happens after that. But I think you're taking everything with a grain of salt. If you're not playing particularly well as a rookie, uh, you're sitting back and you're going, yeah, you know what, once I get with the guys who I'm going to originally be playing with and playing with regularly, then I think I'll be perfectly fine. And if you're dominating everybody, I think you realize that it's a developmental setting and that, you know what, everything's going to be far, everything's not going to be this easy once you get to the regular season. So I think there's that. And I would also say, too, we always forget this, I think, when it comes to the NBA Summer League. The one thing I think you can't take away from it is there are second-year guys here that are playing. And when those second-year guys look like they're clearly the best guys on the court, I think that's a good positive to take into a regular season. Quentin Grimes for the New York Knicks has arguably looked like the best guy on the court at times. You can go down the list of guys who have looked really good or are heading into their second year. So I think there's a little bit more substance to performances like that. Not necessarily that they're going to dominate in their second year, but that a first year in the NBA crafted them a little bit. They look comfortable. They're working on stuff, and they're going to be comfortable going into their second year's pros. Who of the second-year guys really have stood out to you more than the rest? Yeah, I think you start with Grimes because I think what the New York Knicks have looked like, uh, the Knicks have looked really good. And they, you know, they, they, right now they're in first place for whatever that's worth in terms of the standings. Uh, but they've won some games comfortably, uh, and they look like a team like around a guy like Quentin Grimes. Uh, he has looked absolutely fantastic. Like he looks like, and what's intriguing about a guy like Grimes is for a team like New York, who is potentially in the running for like uh, Donovan Mitchell, right? There's the rumors now that are starting to pick up uh, that Mitchell might really, um, he wants to play in New York, but that Mitchell might be a target for the Knicks. Well, now all of a sudden, the Knicks are looking around and going, look, Quentin Grimes, one of our young prospects, he's really showing out. Maybe we can add that, or the Jazz might like that a little bit more in terms of, of a package for him. So I think you're starting with Quentin Grimes. I think Cam Thomas for the Brooklyn Nets has also really stood out. You know, Cam Thomas is, I think at times, he, there was reports and a lot of pushback on, hey, man, we want to see him move the ball around a little bit more. Well, a win against the Philadelphia 76ers, he has seven assists. Uh, he's got a 30-point game in one of their contests. He scored 20 multiple times. Uh, that's something that really has stuck out as well. So for me, at least, those are the top two second-year guys that have really stuck out. Quentin Grimes and Cam Thomas have looked very comfortable in this setting, and their numbers have really proven it. Jonathan, 
of the rooks, the guys that are getting, you know, their their first taste of NBA action. Some of them have been shut down early by their teams, which makes a lot of sense. They don't want to have a Zion Williamson situation when their star player gets hurt and then has to miss a good portion of their rookie campaign. But of the rookies that you've seen, who stood out to you the most? So I think there's actually quite a few. And, you, you know, we can look past the obvious, right? Palo Bencaro is really freaking good. I think he's going to be pretty decent uh, as a pro once we get there. There's a reason the, the Magic shut him down, as you kind of referenced there. But I think, you know, one of the teams that I had some high expectations of because of the guys on their roster was Indiana. And Benedict Mathurin is, uh, has really looked very good for the Indiana Pacers. His shot is there. He's shooting 38% on about four, four and a half, three-point attempts per game. The scoring is there. He looks really comfortable in that sitting with Indiana. Looked really good in playing with Chris Duarte, who was already shut down. But Duarte, of course, their second-year pro uh, for Indiana that was playing in the first few games of the summer league. So Mathurin looks really, really comfortable. Keegan Murray for Sacramento. I think a lot of people are really surprised how easy he's making it look. He's one of those guys that when you're watching basketball and you're like, hey, wait a minute, and you look at the box score, oh, yeah, he's got 20. Like He just kind of sneaks up on you. He can shoot extremely well. He can rebound. He's got size. He's got a little defensive game to him that he can force some turnovers. So I think those are the two big names that were at the top of the draft that have really stuck out. And some of the lesser names, I mean, we don't call them lesser, but I don't think a lot of people came out to watch like Atari Eason, for example. But Atari Eason looked really good for the Houston Rockets. Uh, I've been really impressed with him. I think in the win over the Spurs, he had a double-double. I think it was 22-11. and 11. He's made some impactful plays. Uh, for the Houston Rockets, uh, for the big names, those two stuck out. But I think Easton is definitely one to watch. It's one of those rookies that could come along strong as a role player. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Easton because he has looked really good. What do you make overall of what the Rockets have done last year and this year with their draft picks, with this massive rebuild that they're uh, taking on? Uh, you know, I think that the Rockets are really intriguing when it comes to their talent. And, and I think, too, it does help that you know, and this is a bigger conversation about basketball, but like young guys come in and they're so ready to play basketball, right? In terms of them playing it since they were young. So these young guys come on a little bit stronger. But you look around at what the Rockets have done with not only the draft picks, Jalen Green had a very quiet, I think you would call it quiet because they were a bad team, but he was quietly, excuse me, incredible for the Houston Rockets last year, especially in the last 40, 30 games or so, averaging well over 20 and just performing at a very high level on the offensive end. Kevin Porter Jr.'s got some off-court stuff, but still is a very impactful player for them and looks like he's going to be a building block at point guard. And you move beyond that, I mean, when you talk about Alfred Shengun and the way that he impacted their roster last year, we talk about Eason and maybe they hit a little bit of a, a single or a double there when they're picking him 17th overall. Even Ty Ty Washington has shown out a little bit here at the NBA Summer League for them too. And then you look at Jabari Smith Jr., who I think fits really well. Uh, next to their backcourt that we have in terms of Porter and Jalen Green. I think you kind of really like what the Houston Rockets have put together at this point right now. And they have a like a sneaky eye for talent that they've done a pretty good job of drafting and developing some of these guys. So I would say I, if you're a Rockets fan, I think you're really intrigued by the base that you have here and that in a few years this could really pan out to be something very exciting. I think you like a lot of what you've seen on the floor, both in the regular season from guys that have been there and what we've seen in the summer league in terms of their new faces. We're talking with Jonathan Van Tobel of Vizen. He's their NBA senior analyst. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Give me your thoughts of what uh, the folks down in New Orleans, just you know, a short drive away from us, are building or finally building uh, down there with all their young core. You know, I, I think that's too, and this is why I like teams like you know New Orleans, and I'll throw in what teams like Detroit or Oklahoma City, and the Pelicans are one of those where if you look at their roster overall. 
uh, there's a lot to like it. And when you see some of the results, you can get there too. And in terms of the standings as well, you know, I think they're right there. I think they've, they've averaged about 10 wins or 10 points per game per win in the NBA summer league. Uh, they have dominated some of their opponents and it's been part of their young core that have done it. Uh, but you look around, look like, it, we can talk about the names that we know, but you're really intrigued by Dyson Daniels. I think Dyson Daniels, in terms of his body, what he can be on the defensive end of the floor, is really exciting. Trey Murphy, it looks like he can be a, a knockdown shooter in the NBA, and I've really liked what I've seen from him. Uh, guys like EJ Liddell, too, uh, one of their rookie selections, provides some really uh, you know, good, intriguing news, some intriguing stuff, but you're not going to see him for a while because, of course, he suffers that torn ACL, so that's a, a really big blow for them. But I think overall, when you look at the New Orleans Pelicans, that's one of those teams when you're watching them both on the court, and we know about all the veterans that they have, Brandon Ingram, um, C.J. McCollum, but Jose Alvarado, part of that core, of course, going into a second year as well. If we're going to talk about them potentially being a target for Kevin Durant, right, in terms of moving some of their young core to go and get him, I think you're intrigued either way. You've got a really good top-end proven talent, and underneath the surface, I think you've got a lot of good, intriguing young talent. They've done a good job in terms of drafting and developing guys as well. Who do you like to win the Summer League Championship? If I, if you gave me some tips here, if I decided to go to my local sports book and like, hey, I want to bet on the Summer League Championship. I know it's always a crapshoot because some teams shut it down, right? They're just like, okay, we're done with it. Uh, who's your betting line favorite? You know, it's, so it's tough because of the format, right? So the way the format is set up this year, there is no tournament. Uh, what's happening is, so they're going to play their four games, and every single team has played three up to this point. So we only got about one game left uh, for every single one of these teams. It's going to be the top two teams by win percentage. Uh, and then, of course, after that, it's point differential. So right now, your top two teams, as of this point, in the standings are the New York Knicks and the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Knicks play later today against the Orlando Magic. Uh, that's actually a pretty favorable thing because you mentioned shutting it down with the Magic. Have done it, they, they've done that. They've shut down a majority of their guys that they, they believe have some value moving forward. So it seems like the Knicks have a very favorable path forward here uh, to a summer league title if that was going to be the case. So I would say look at New York. They're actually one of the teams that first started. Uh, I bet them a 26-1 to to win this thing, and it looks like they have a really good path to at least get to a title game. So as of right now, I think you're looking at New York, and as much as you can, right, power rate these teams, if you look at some of the numbers, it does seem like the Knicks are one of the more higher power-rated summer league teams, along with the New Orleans Pelicans. And it seems like those two teams are destined to meet in an NBA title or summer league title game. You know, they get rings, so I guess it's worth something, right? There you go. All right, bud, i got to ask you uh, one more question about two stars. Kevin Durant, mm -hmm. it, it feels like to me Phoenix and Miami are the two teams that, that make the most sense. Obviously, in Phoenix's case, they got to probably do some type of sign and trade with DeAndre Aiden to make it happen um, and to clear the space. Miami, uh, look, that seems to be the type of environment that maybe Durant needs to be pushed by a coach and by a genius in the front office in Pat Riley. Also, Jimmy Butler is a dog, so he will get after you. I think Durant does better in those situations. Where do you think KD ends up? So I, at this point right now, and I did, I have my own little stake in this. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's Miami. I would put that a little bit further down the list personally, only because I think it would be a good fit to your point, especially if they keep the top end of their roster, which they're more than likely going to do. The problem is I just don't really see a package that they could really ship over that would be worth Kevin Durant, right? I, I'm, I'm not as high on Tyler Hero uh, when it comes to being the centerpiece of, of a deal. You'd include Duncan Robinson, which is a big contract that just a match up with Kevin Durant. He hasn't been that impactful of a player. And the Heat don't have that many draft assets. And with the Suns, you know, you mentioned it. 
I do wonder what DeAndre Ayton being signed and traded, which seems like is going to be the case, to Indiana and getting Miles Turner coming back, what that would mean for the Phoenix Suns in terms of their contention for the Brooklyn Nets. I took a small flyer on the Toronto Raptors to win the finals about three weeks ago at 50-1, to uh, and that's kind of shifted a little bit here, not as much. Um, but I think Toronto's got everything you're looking for, right? You, you talk about having structure and a – and a team that has a little bit of a history here of success, well, that'd be the Raptors. They win the finals. The Cy Ujiri in that front office is a well-respected man. Nick Nurse has become one of the most respected coaches in the NBA with the way that he plays defensively. I feel like if there's a team that not only has a package to offer, but also has a front office and a coaching staff that can sit down with Kevin Durant and get him to buy into something and still be competitive when all is said and done, I think it's the Toronto Raptors. So I'd look out for Toronto, and I mentioned it too, I would look out for New Orleans. There's a centerpiece there in Brandon Ingram. They have assets, and they only, and the best part, which Brooklyn, I think, would want, they have assets that aren't even theirs in terms of they have Lakers picks, right? The, the Nets don't necessarily want to trade Kevin Durant and get the assets from the team that has him because they're likely going to be good. So you can get assets back that they don't control. So I, I think that'd be a really intriguing place, too. But I'll say this. We talked to Amino Hassan, uh, a former NBA executive out here at the Summer League. He believes, and the betting odds say so, too, that Kevin Durant's going to be a net when the season starts. Now, does that mean he ends up the season with the Brooklyn Nets? Don't know. But when the season begins, it does seem more and more likely that he'll actually still be a Brooklyn Net, and this thing's going to drag on for a while. Oh, that'll be a nice mess. <laughs> one <laughs> yep. more quickly, but only got uh, like 35 seconds here. Yep. Donovan Mitchell, will he be traded before the season, and who is he going to be traded to? I think so, and it does seem like it's it's going to be New York or Miami, and that's a little bit more of an easier package. But I, I just I'll say this real quick: you don't ship off Rudy Gobert and try to sell Donovan Mitchell on we're going to build around you. That seems like that ship has sailed. So I would assume that he's going to find a new, a new home. Jonathan, this was great. Can't wait to have you back on again. Tell the people quickly while they can follow you on social media. Uh, me JVT up on Twitter and decent.com slash JVT where you can find the written work. Jonathan, appreciate your time, bud. Enjoy the week and enjoy the rest of Summer League. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Jonathan Van Tobel from Vizen, NBA senior analyst. Man, he was great. Can't wait to have him back on to the show. We got to take a timeout, though. When we return, we'll wrap up today's program. Get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. It will not be a glorious Thursday morning. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, what a great show. Appreciate our guest. Want to take a moment to thank them. Shout out to Jim Gazzolo, the great one from the Lake Charles American Press, talking Southland Conference, talking McNeese Cowboys. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, Pelicans and Saints conversation. And Jonathan Von Tobel, NBA senior analyst for Vizen, talking summer league and possible trade destinations for Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. Poll question of the day. What iconic <clears throat> golf course is on your bucket list to play? Your go-to, your dream to play, if you will. That's what we asked you. It's inspired, of course, by the Open Championship, which teed off earlier today. Really earlier today. <laughs> Maybe really last night. They're held at St. Andrews, the old course, the birthplace of golf. 59% of you say Augusta National, home of the Masters. 18% of you say St. Andrews. 12% say Pebble Beach. And 11% say other. Ralph has chimed in. 
on Twitter. Bushwood Country Club with Ty Webb, Al, Judge Smales after. I'll take a dip in the pool or the pond. That, of course, is a reference to Caddyshack. Shout out to Ralph for that. I'm here for that all day long. Ralph, anytime you feel the need to mention Caddyshack in any of our poll questions or anything we do online, I fully support it, and I appreciate you for it. Thanks for all who voted on the poll question of the day and left their comments on Facebook and Twitter. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Reminder, Astros-Angels rubber match of their three-game series will be tonight. First pitch, 7.07. You can listen to it live right here. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts the third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.